Welcome back from Mum Talk Series 6, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum, from pregnancy to life now with a baby, sharing all the highs and all the lows. As we go through this series, I will be joined by knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, and also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 6, Episode 9. This week I am chatting with Vanessa who is mum to a little boy but also qualified in the world of Montessori. I've had loads of questions about Montessori and I guess we are bringing up Amandine um, along those lines but I've never intentionally followed Montessori. So... I was chatting and asking all of our questions to her in this week's episode. Enjoy! Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I have loads of questions on it, and we've had quite a lot of questions come through on Instagram, but they are very, very similar. It's very much around what is Montessori and um, what life skills does it enhance and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think if we can keep it to kind of um, a real overview, nice and simple of what it is, what people can expect, why we're doing it, um, that would be really, really great. So, yeah, so um, I guess my kind of first um, experience with Montessori really started when I was doing... um, a baby massage um, and yoga instructor course and that um, started to draw on a lot of the theories from Montessori that um, emphasised sensory stimulation, touch and movement in those initial years um, from birth to to three and really what an impact that had on the wiring and the functioning of the brain Um, and I found it you know genuinely fascinating and wanting to know more I went on to do my um, training and where I got to work in a number of you know fantastic Montessori schools um in London um and then fast forward five years when I had Alex I began to you know naturally draw on a lot of those theories and implement it in what I was um, doing at home with him um so just to kind of give you an overview it's um Montessori herself so she and Dr Maria Montessori she um I didn't even a, know it was a person. How bad yeah, is that? Yeah, <laughs> so um, she actually came up in, um, in you know, the kind of celebrating um, International Women's Day yesterday in the Times um, Top 100 of most oh, wow. inspiring women. So um, she, you know, she herself um, had, you know, done an incredible amount of work um, in the time that she was alive. Um, so she uh, she um, lived in the 1900s. Um, she was the first female doctor in Italy. And um, she um, developed a very much child-centred approach to educating um, children where she focused a lot on giving them a lot of freedom to play and explore the environment. Um, and in doing so, she felt that this provided the basis for their holistic development. So everything from physical to the emotional, social and, and their language and linguistic um, abilities. Um, 
So um, she set up her school just outside of Rome and working with a lot of um, quite underprivileged children. Some of them had learning difficulties. Um, So she was able to really engage with them and and observe them for long periods of time to figure out what they needed, why they they were doing certain things the way they were. And um, as a result, she... um, identify something called sensitive periods so they're um, basically I guess human tendencies or urges that um, children experience throughout their life um, and they're windows of opportunity for children to really learn and develop with the most ease so for example I guess you can probably relate to this um, you know bringing Amandine up in a bilingual house so language is one of those sensitive periods Um, and um, I guess the easiest way of to, to explain it is children pick up languages so much easier than if we were to learn a new language as an adult um, and that's because they're in this um, absorbent mind stage an unconscious absorbent mind so they're taking everything in around them unconsciously like sponges so they're making sense of tones and you know voices and the construct of sentences you know better than we as adults can ever do and then um, so adding to that, so you've got sensitive periods for language, movement, which is, you know, self-explanatory. So the way children go from sitting, um, you know, crawling to walking, order, which is another quite a characteristic period in the Montessori approach. So you'll hear, hear that talked a lot about, you know, if you're putting your child in a Montessori nursery, for example, they talk a lot about that kind of inner order in the environment so um for example that could be the way you know activities are laid out on a shelf for example everything's got their own designated place and it relates back to um that sense of routine so when babies are born you know you want to try and have a bit of consistency say with naps to give them that sense of you know they crave that sense of safety and um you know security from what that order provides for them Mm. um I'll go into a bit more detail later on when I talk about the home environment and what you can do around that um and then you've got the sense of peers small objects so again, so at the moment, you know, especially with Alex, he's he's kind of going through a period of 15 months now and he's um, picking up, you know, random bits of dirt off the floor and mm-hmm. giving it to me or, you know, we'll go for a Oh, and Dean does that the, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I find that so of, funny. You kind of wonder, you know, or if I'm wearing, you know, earrings, he'll, you know, pick at them or, you know, it's it's his his way of becoming familiar with you know his world around him or even if you go for a walk they you know pick out the smallest insects for example Mm. so um that's that's quite um, interesting to see and then the other quite prominent period is the refinement of senses so you know again I talked about you know for example touch being really important so Montessori was really you know big on giving children hands-on concrete experiences to learn because she felt and um, the hands were almost like the gateway to the mind and the brain so and um, a lot of like in again in a Montessori environment you'll find a lot of like quite tactile materials that children will work with um, and there's a lot of emphasis on the materials that are used. So they're often like wooden, natural materials because it's, it's 
it's kind of linking the child to to the natural environment and giving them that appreciation for for what's around them Mm. so in a nutshell I know that sounds quite you know long-winded but essentially it's it's those sense of periods that then guide and what the child does and what they're interested in at you know various periods throughout their childhood and and us as like the parents or the carers or or the teachers you know it's our kind of role to really just be aware of those and um and offer them an environment that kind of meets those needs and interests so again you'll often hear um prepared environment talked about in the Montessori setting um and that you know essentially it's not you know it's not the big you know wide world it's more that direct space that the child is in for you know a considerable amount of time so just making sure that you know for example in the home you're offering the child opportunities or activities for them to help develop those um kind of that independence and that those basic skills that can then go on to to help um their kind of development on a wider level so yeah so that's in a nutshell (laughs) So what can we do in our home environment to really um, encourage it? Yeah, so I think, um, so the reason I kind of, you know, wanting to do a lot more with this um, is because um, I don't, you know, I don't want parents to feel that the only way they can adopt Montessori is by, you know, putting their child in a Montessori nursery because, you know, that can often have, you know, there might not be one in their area or it might, you know, might the hours might not be flexible or, you know, it might not be, you know, available to them so there's so much that you can be doing at home and actually um the initial uh kind of part of the curriculum that Montessori does is around practical life and activities of everyday living so that's um like looking at what you can equip the child with to um, help develop those basic skills for life um and you can start with, for example, um, their bedroom. So we've got a, a low-level wardrobe that's open. Um, that we just picked up a, a Kallax shelf from IKEA, actually, and adapted it slightly. So um, we lay out two options of clothing, you know, most mornings for Alex, and he then goes and self-selects what he wants. So this is a really good way of empowering them to make their own choices and build their independence. Um, you know, and often, you know, you have to probably choose, make your choices quite carefully. So there's no, you know, major clashes of, <laughs> you know, bright green with bright red, although we have done that on many occasions. <laughs> um, and then um, kind of coupled with that, you can, um do like a self-care area so this can either be in the bedroom or you know depending on space in the bathroom for example so again um a big part of the Montessori setting is it is trying to teach children to um, develop that independence and confidence in looking after themselves and whether that's you know blowing their nose so at the moment it's you know peak cold season and mm. not your nose is around so um just having you know tissue box available for them with a small mirror that he can now look at himself so I think it's around 18 months that children actually begin to realize that it's them in their reflection in the mirror mm-hmm. so uh, that's quite interesting so you could use that 
to say, you know, when they're brushing their teeth in the morning and the evening, you know, go along to that that station so they can see what they're doing. And um, it just helps kind of imprint that that action in, into their mindset a bit more clearly. Um, then um, the kitchen, that's a, you know, a brilliant hub for growing um, the independence um, for children. You can do, I mean, you can go to town with this, really. I mean, we um, have just created a bit of a, a DIY jobby on a learning tower um, quite inexpensively, again, thanks to good old IKEA. Yes, my, I've seen and, that one. It's so it's such a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, you know, it's... it's um, you're not saying that you know everyone has to do it but at the moment particularly before we kind of put that together I'll often be at the counter you know making you know Alex's dinner and he'll be pulling at my legs or you know what you know keen to know what I'm doing and to see what I'm doing so this is a great way to give him that perspective mm. at my level so and it's a really good way of involving him in the process and it goes back to that um, giving children that sense of belonging in in that family life and the daily routines. So you know it doesn't have to always be you know toy based. Just you know helping prepare their breakfast, and laying out say the porridge and the fruit and the, a small jug of say milk. You know, yeah, there's going to be a mess made, but it's all <laughs> part of that. You know that learning process and um, he so how he helps me with that and then. Um, We've um, designated a one of the cupboards below shelf to just his plates and and cutlery, so he knows that's where it lives. So you know, before um, each of his meal times, he'll now you know go over himself to open the cupboard and take out his plate. Um, it was quite funny the other day. I just cut him a little bit of cheese and, and just gave it to him in his hand. There wasn't really a need to go and get the plate, but he went and opened. The cupboard got the plate, oh, put, the, put the piece of cheese on it, went to sit down. I had to hold myself back from from laughing, but I thought that was that was quite cute. That's so, so cute. It's it's really funny how they you know they do it is the absorbent mind in action because they are picking up on everything that you're doing. You know, as an adult, you're role modelling everything that that we're doing and and kind of saying so. So yeah, it's a really interesting age um, at the moment. So yeah, and so that's so that's one of the key things in the kitchen. And then um, moving to if you've got any space in your hallway or like in a little utility room, um, we've put some like low level, eye level hooks in for him to hang his coat and hat on. Um, so again, we kind of do that at the beginning of each day, go and collect his coat. He's not quite at the stage where he's able to hook it back on, but he, you know, he motions for it. So he's got the intent and, you know, that will come in time. And I think as parents, again, it's, and what I actually had to learn myself and just going through both the teacher training and being a parent is that I've got to really resist the urge to want to step in and always, you know, show him what to do, that he'll get there in his own time. Mm. So I think, you know, taking it slowly, every you know, children will get there in their own time, you know, it's just a case of giving them that space um to do it, you know, at their own pace. Um so so that's what we're doing in kind of the hallway at the moment and giving him like a, a small basket that he can pop his shoes and socks into um then in the if, you, if you've got 
you know, a play area or in the living room or even in the bedroom. Um, this is where you can start to bring in that sense of order for the, the way you present their toys and the activities that they, you know, they might do in throughout the day. So, um, again, um, what I would suggest that you start by doing is, you know, don't feel the urge to rush out and go and buy, you know, the fanciest wooden toys, the hand pet that you can find. I think the first thing to do is really spend about 10 minutes just observing your child every day, looking at the kinds of toys that they're interested in playing with, how they're playing with them, how often, and almost decluttering everything else. They're putting aside um, items that they're not spending a lot of time with out of sight um, and just displaying those, I'd say, six to eight activities because um, that way you're not overwhelming the child with, you know, so much that they don't even know where to start or mm. even know what to engage with. Um, and again, I've used like a basic um, eight-window Kallax shelf that I've um, put out and each box is assigned a different toy so it's easy for the child to see what's on display nothing that's you know concealed away in boxes and if you want to kind of take it a step further again you don't have to but you know in typical Montessori settings you'll often see the activities beautifully presented in say wicker you know kind of little baskets or little kind of wooden trays and so children can kind of easily take them out and take to a table or to the floor to to play with and then over time and uh they will see you know me returning it to the shelf and that plays to that sensitive period of order they know that everything has a place on its shelf and you know they they feel that you know obviously that's how they should work to maintain and maintain the environment I'm you know I'm not great at that myself I'm slowly trying you know as he's getting old I'm slowly trying to keep it as tidy as I possibly can but you know we're all, we're all human at the end of the day and that that can be tricky at times um so yeah and at the moment I mean um and we've got a bookshelf in that space as well so making sure you're always looking at it from the child's eye level perspective so bringing things down so um the book's Again, I've, I've only limited it to about 10 at a time so he can clearly see the front covers of the book so he can go and pick out what he wants, when he wants. And um, next to that, we've kind of put a few cushions and made a bit of a reading corner so he can go and start, you know, using that more. He, he's he's not really shown any interest in books in, until the last few weeks. So, you know, and obviously... It, you know learning language and reading is really important so this this is really really nice to see and look but i know you mentioned amadine loves her books oh you, loves them ago, so. she loves them yeah. we have them we did have them on the bookshelf above her kind of nappy changing area but they've mm-hmm. all seemed to work their way down onto the floor yeah. so they're now just all <laughs> propped up against the wall and yeah. before bed, we give her the choice, and then Hendrik ends up reading, I don't know, maybe like five or six books to her every mm-hmm. night. And yeah. It's so funny. She just loves books, and she's just gone to, like, stickers as well. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that might be her sensitive period for small objects coming yes. through, that kind of picking it, you know, picking them out. I actually, when you mentioned that uh, a while ago, I 
went out and got a sticker book for Alex because he was constantly picking up, um, you know, things on my tops. Mm, they're um, so good, aren't they? Yeah. Did you get the reusable one? They've got a really great reusable one. I haven't found those. I have to keep an eye out for them. But, yeah, they sound brilliant. But, yeah, so that's just, you know, to give you, in a nutshell, if you're looking at, you know, the house overall, but, you know, I wouldn't feel that the need to do everything there. I think slowly... I think the main thing is just to start, you know, involving them in in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And again, you know, we talked about the importance of language. um, And I think it's really from around 12 to 18 months that that really peaks. So just explaining everything that you're doing with them. Oh, another actually really good one that we do is the washing machine. So... Mm loves pressing the buttons on the washing machine and taking the clothes out that's really playing to their gross motor skills pulling them out of the um washing machine and loading into the tumble dryer he can spend forever doing that and you know Start it's really young. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really just um embracing them you know embracing those opportunities and giving them as much opportunity to to be independent and as a result of that they're having you know so much hands-on experience that um that's really laying the foundations of of the learning that will come later on so Mm. absolutely i can i can see that so i I have a question here from one of the followers listeners um what are your thoughts on and i'm saying this having literally sat amandine in front of an ipad with stickman on but what is your thought with regards to montessori about screen time and tv and tablets all that kind of thing yeah so i think um there are a lot of montessori kind of theorists or you know practitioners that might say they don't agree with it particularly in those initial um months you know the Mm. first year um I mean again we have screen time every evening it comes to that point where we all need a little bit of calm and and you know it it just gives you know personally it gives me time to to do whatever I need to do and Alex really enjoys it I think I would just be clear on probably having a few boundaries in place you know Mm. you know with you and whoever that maybe you limit it say 20 minutes 15 minutes a day because and that then becomes you know can then quite quickly spiral out of control I know you know in Montessori nurseries at the moment now um because they're having to very much align to um the national standards that the curriculum in the early years sets to offset, they're having now to bring in more screen time or using really? you know, tablets into nurseries. And I know a lot of Montessori's have fallen down because they've refused to align. And oh, wow. um, it's interesting because, you know, there are a lot of, you know, brilliant programs and apps out there for children that do aid their learning. And it's interesting because this came up in a conference I didn't actually go to a few years ago where they had an expert talking about what would Maria say, you know, she was alive in this age around it. But I think you, you have to evolve with the times. I think 
it's important to get the balance right and mm. I think that's why it's equally important to you know make sure that you know you are giving children the opportunity to get outside you know experience nature the world and that then you know you are relating whatever you might be doing on tablets or you know on apps with perhaps what you're learning at that that period so you know for example you know if you're learning about autumn the leaves there might be you know something interesting that you might want to show them on the tablet afterwards maybe when they're a little bit older but I think it's something that we have to really work with now and Mm. can't really kind of push it away I think as long as the principles are in place around the Montessori approach I think that's that's probably the, the best kind of way to tackle it so and if you have a Montessori nursery, if you're lucky enough to have a Montessori mm-hmm. nursery nearby, or if you're really considering looking at sending your child to a Montessori nursery, what's mm-hmm. the kind of thing as a parent that you can expect your child to be doing and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, doing really? Yeah. Um, so typically um, Montessori nurseries work around, a, they call it a three-hour work cycle because, you know, that's considered to be the optimum amount of time that it takes a child to really engage in an activity and have that free play time. Um, so classes or settings aren't segregated by age, like you might find in a more traditional nursery. Um, so there's children of, you know, mixed ability, so from, say, three to five or two to five um, and this encourages uh, the young children to learn from the older ones and it empowers the older ones to guide the young um, this, this is sometimes referred to as parallel learning um, it's uh, it, there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, in the terms in the way the nursery is presented so you'll often have like your practical life activities that I mentioned before at the start and then you work around to say sensorial and you've got a creative table then you go into the mathematics and language um, sections for the older children then you've got a knowledge and understanding of the world so it's those six key areas that kind of make up a typical Montessori setting and it's very much a free flow time so often you'll have access to outside space and you know as opposed to maybe a a traditional setting you might have a limited time or a set time that you're allowed to go into the garden whereas in a Montessori you have you know an open door where you're free to come and go as you please Mm -hmm. um there's obviously freedom to choose the activities um so in a typical shelf for example you'll have um one of each item um, and that's to encourage children to do turn taking sharing and to respect each other's time with the activity and then obviously they'll return to the shelf and then you'll often have like mats laid out on the floor where children will go and work and with the materials and that almost is you know like a implicit way of saying this is my space to work with and and again it's really quite sweet to watch the children roll out their mats and put them away and 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 yeah that's quite lovely and then yeah so it's and then it often works when you have you know instead of quite dictatorial rules you've got ground rules which kind of set the tone for the setting so it could be we're kind to each other we sit at the table to eat and you know gentle hands etc so 
So that's probably the key the key features that that kind of make up a Montessori setting. And excuse my naivety in all of this, but if um, when your child finishes the age of nursery, are there any Montessori type schools, or what's the next? If you want to stick with the Montessori theory, um, what and your child finishes nursery, what's the next step? So there were a lot more than there are today, um, and I. I honestly couldn't tell you, I couldn't name any that I know of particularly, but again, it's it's very rare, particularly in this country. I think there's probably a lot more in um, in the US than there are here. I'm, I'm not sure why they phase them out or mm. for what reason. Um, I mean, I the only way I can really relate to it really is that um, from birth to six that's supposed to be you know the optimal time for Montessori to really take effect because you're mm. you're almost laying the foundations of equipping them with the essentials to them that they'll then build on when they go into school and they've almost by that point by six or seven they've almost got the core elements of you know their being so to speak for later on yeah and that's why I think I you know again and I know there's a lot being you know done at the moment with the big five questions and survey that you know Kate Middleton's championing that there's so much more emphasis put on you know later education and not enough put on those early years Mm. and you know it if you if you don't want to send your child to nursery, you know what? How can we your parents get more support to help? You know, help them. You know, when they're at home with them, for example. Um, so you know, because obviously it's not for everyone, and but they are such crucial years. So, and unless you know, unless you have that knowledge, it's really difficult to know, you know, where to even start. So, um, I know a big um, movement that's you know, kind of partly born out of Montessori is the forest school movement. Yes, oh my I'm, gosh, yes. Yeah, so I'm particularly interested in Alex potentially going to one when he turns around three. Um, I think it's brilliant, you know, and because we, you know, we live in London, so there's not a huge amount of outdoor space here, but mm. that, you know, that's, um, you know, that's a brilliant way of kind of building on, you know, children really having that freedom and, interaction with the natural environment and they've done you know a whole heap of research to really show the benefits that have come off the back of that and actually they've just opened a forest school for you know five to I think 11 and near to where I am oh, but brilliant. I don't know I, yeah so I don't know if I'm, it's going to be possible for him to go there but um it's certainly um it's you know it's great to see that that's the way the way things are slowly kind of moving so I feel like children are at school for such a long time, aren't they? That uh, the majority, if we can get even just a little bit longer with them doing things that, you know, where they're not stuck in a classroom, they're not stuck sitting down um, at a desk, then that's a bonus, right? That's so true. That's so true. I mean, you guys are really lucky, you know, living where you are, that you have access to, you know, beautiful beaches and space Clean air and <laughs> yeah, we are we are so lucky actually. And sometimes I am I'm I'm lost. I'm always lost for things to do when it is pouring with rain because yeah. you know there's only so much time, and especially with Amaldine being so ill, there's only so much time you can spend outside when it is cold and it yeah. is wet. But when the weather's lovely, we're just spoiled for choice. And 
you just don't need to be doing anything when you're outside you know you can literally just go for a walk on the beach and I just take so much joy in watching her pick up a shell or you know listening to the noises and trying to figure out why the water's making such a noise that's it Um, it. and then pointing out the seagulls and looking at the dogs playing on the beach you don't actually need to be playing a game or anything like that you know it's just her taking in so much that's it that's you know exactly it's just you know there's so much richness in you know her environment around her that she can take and absorb and you know like you said you don't have to actively be doing anything and I think that's you know that's just that's again part of the Montessori approach it's just them engaging and being you know in the natural environment and and there's so much you know learning that's going on um subliminally so yeah it's really wonderful I think it also really helps adopting Montessori type way of life with your little ones to help with mum guilt (laughs) (laughs) because I find myself at home um you know and it's pouring with rain and I'm thinking oh my gosh I I really don't want to go to baby gym I really don't want to go to a soft play I just don't really want to go out I'd rather you know just do some bits around the house and Actually, when you do have a load of jobs to do and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to get my laundry done, the cooking done when Amandine's around? And actually, it's, you know, getting her involved in it. Like today, she helped me hang the laundry. I mean, she didn't actually help. It was more hinder. We took the laundry (laughs) up. She pulled off what I was putting on. But it was involving her in those activities. And, you know, we're yet to get a tower, mainly because um, I know you listen to the podcast, so you know what Hendrik is like. But he is um, fighting me getting a learning tower um, (laughs) and any form of steps. But hopefully we'll have one. And then she can help me cook and she can take part in you know baking bits and we have done some baking but it's tricky because she's sitting in a high chair and she doesn't really want to be sitting down she wants to be standing Mm -hmm. up and um I could do it on the floor with her but then it just ends up being a huge mess and I'm not such a a fan of a huge mess but just getting them involved in the day-to-day tasks that you have to do that you often feel so guilty about because you don't because you haven't gone out and you think you're a bad mum because you haven't been out and yeah that's it absolutely I think it's and it's all you know what you're doing in those you know mundane daily tasks to you to them it's fascinating Mm. and you know again subconsciously you're you're teaching them sequencing so all Mm. the steps that you're doing you know you're taking the washing out of the machine you're putting it in a tumble dryer you're pouring the milk in the porridge it's all you know in their mind they're ordering these steps and making sense of it all so you know it's all you know it's all part of that you know overall development of them I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't feel guilty at all but I do know what you mean is Mm. you know it is it is so easy to do like we we um Alex loves uh not matching but sorting through the socks for example and throwing them everywhere and um you know again he can spend you know quite a while doing that so yeah it's just finding you know just picking up on those little things that they're engaging with for longer periods and just playing to those so mm, absolutely and watching Hendrik doing DIY these last few mm-hmm. days and Amandine's so you know she just wants to see what's going on yeah she's absolutely fascinated and we keep a couple of screwdrivers in the bottom drawer we have like one of those you know a drawer full of everything in the kitchen and yeah. she's been going to the drawer and she taps on it so I open it for her she takes the screwdrivers and then she takes them over to Hendrik oh, it's brilliant. so cute 
and you just think you have literally just learned that from watching Hendrik going to get the screwdrivers and going to fix bits around the house um it's it is adorable yeah they feel that real you know they're really grown up they're so chuffed (laughs) they are so chuffed with themselves when they do it it is so so cute yeah, we've, um, I don't know if Amadine's doing this, but Alex is constantly wanting to switch um, switches on and off and unlatch <laughs> locks. And we've actually even now figured out how to unlock the stair gate, which oh, no. is slightly <laughs> oh, no. challenging. But I think, well, we're partly to blame because my husband's done one of these um, busy boards where he's got loads of kind of random latches from a DIY store and put them on like a board for him to play. But I'm like, oh, we're brilliant. actually giving him a free ticket to open every door unlock every lock in the house basically so <laughs> oh how funny yeah that that i can see that having its downfalls <laughs> yeah exactly yeah oh well thank you so so much for coming on the podcast is there anything else that you think we need to share with listeners about montessori um i would i mean i would just say you know don't put so much pressure on yourself to, you know, have, you know, everything perfect. And I think less is more. That's definitely a good approach I would take. Um, and just take that time to just stand back and, you know, observe your, your child and see what they're doing. Because, you know, life is busy. We don't often, you know, get to do that. And I think um, just you, you're, you'll honestly understand so much more by just doing that from, you know, quite a subjective and um, perspective. thank you so so much for sharing all of your knowledge about Montessori Mm. with us I really really appreciate it um I'm sure the listeners will as well are there any books actually that you would recommend there is actually a brilliant one um from a lady called Simone Davis and it's called the Montessori Toddler and I've just found what and found that it's free to listen to on Spotify and she's oh no um, way yeah so it's and she goes through everything I mean she's got you know years of experience under her belt and she runs um some play groups over in um Amsterdam and um, and she's you know she's done it really well and actually she she um has a podcast series now and she actually spoke to Maria Montessori's I think great granddaughter the other day because wow. obviously they're kind of continuing her legacy and um across the world so it's quite it's really really fascinating really interesting so yeah, so I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of benefits. I think I only actually discovered the other day that um, you know the founders of Google, Amazon, Prince Harry, and Prince William they all went to Montessori schools as children. So there's Did obviously they? something something um, right in it. So yeah, how interesting! Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? I'm definitely going to have a little look around yeah. and see if there are any Montessori. There must be some Montessori's around yeah. here. There definitely would be, but you know, even if there aren't, you know, as long you know you can grasp the principles yourself and oh, absolutely. Try and incorporate it and where you can. So, and you know, there are you know a lot of there are a lot of great you know tools and activities on that, on Amazon that you can order for you know quite inexpensively as well. So, mm. yeah, well, and so, so much that there's so much that we can do at home and. and um, yeah, by ourselves absolutely. without going to a nursery or anything like that absolutely yeah 
Oh, brilliant. Thank you so, so much, Vanessa, for coming on. Oh, I do love a good informative podcast so much better than my waffle. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I really enjoyed listening back. We only recorded it on Monday. And when we recorded it, I was realizing how much I wanted to get this out because I don't know whether it's you guys or followers on Instagram, but I get so many messages about the Montessori method and whether we're doing it with Amandine and it looks like we're doing it, but are we really? And (laughs) we're not really, but now after the chat with Vanessa, um, I can pick up on so much that we are doing, but so much more that we can be doing as well. So if you have any questions, I am sure Vanessa would be more than happy to answer them. Pop me a DM at mumtalkpodcast on Instagram, or you can always pop me an email, mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week, and I will be back next week with another gleaming episode. Lots of love. Have a great week. Bye.